Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast, this time reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from May 7th, 1983, taped on April 27th, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am the great Brian Last, my pleasure to be with you once again, and joining me this week like he does each and every week. You know him from booking the territory. He's Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm good. Ready for another round of Mid-South Wrestling from May the 7th, 1983. We've got some good stuff happening here. Some stuff with King Kong Bundy, Mr. Wrestling 2. Lots of stuff going on this week that we will get into. And in the next couple of weeks will be a lot of fun because we've seen some things happen with Duggan and whatnot and DiBiase. And let's just say things are getting ramped up. And uh, that's the only thing I want to tease with as we jump into this week's great episode. Well, to me, it's all about Duggan this week. I know there's other things happening. And you mentioned Bundy and wrestling, too. And the Chavo Guerrero ends up being a big topic of conversation this week. But it's really all about Jim Duggan, including... Jim Duggan doing something this week on the show that I'm thinking is the very first time in his career that he did this with an object he would become so associated with. But before we get too far in advance of all this, let's go to the show open. Boyd Pierce and Cowboy Bill Watts. Let's find out what's in store for us this week. You'll see a special challenge match. The Black Ninja, Kendall Nagasaki, in the ring against Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Also, a wild battle between Mr. Wrestling 2 and big powerhouse King Kong Bundy. Tag team action sees Hacksaw Butch rejoin forces with Tiger Conway Jr. It all spells excitement, and the man to tell you about it, Cowboy Bill Watts. Well, that's right. Thank you, Boyd. And, you know, just recently in Houston, Texas, Chavo Guerrero, a tremendous athlete, was set up by the Rat Pack, by Ted DiBiase and Mr. Olympia. Grand Marcus, a superstar from Mexico that was scheduled in Houston to wrestle Chavo Guerrero, did not show up. And Olympia and DiBiase challenged him. The people picked DiBiase. And in the ensuing situation, DiBiase and Mr. Olympia both really did a number on Chavo Guerrero. It came about later that El Gran Marcus was never booked there, that DiBiase had somebody with a Mexican accent call promoter Paul Bosch and get El Gran Marcus on the card. So DiBiase said, "You got, we got even with you for showing up the Rat Pack on TV. But we do have a tape of Chavo Guerrero in a match right before his injury in the Superdome. We'll see later. But first of all, last week was excitement galore here. I'm telling you, anytime you tune into Mid-South Wrestling, you just got to hold on your seat. You never know what's going to happen. But Hacksaw Jim Dugan made a statement about DiBiase and Skandar Akbar last week and then lived up to it. Let's... Again, listen to Hacksaw Jim Duggan's statement. And from there, Mike, we get a recap of the interview Jim Duggan did last week, kind of announcing what was about to happen, that he has nothing to do with Skandar Akbar, that he really doesn't like Skandar Akbar. And one of the big topics last week was that him and DiBiase were going to avoid each other. The Rat Pack is done, but you go your way, I go my way, and we'll have nothing to do with each other. Which leads to... I uh, I don't want to get into it right now because it's going to lead to so much greatness. As he said, you go your way, I'll go mine. It leads to some really, really good stuff coming later on. Am I making sense here, Brian? I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves right here. No, I understand that. And also the other thing is this Chavo Guerrero incident where El Gran Marcus, one of the biggest heels 
in Houston wrestling for years was apparently billed on the show as being the opponent of Chavo, but it was really Ted DiBiase had someone with a Mexican accent call up and fool the booking off. I guess Bruce Pritchard must have answered the phone that day. <laughs> fool the Houston booking office into booking him against Chavo, but it was actually a well-planned attack by DiBiase and Olympia on Chavo. Coming out of this Jim Duggan interview recap, we go back to the desk. We have a few more words from Cowboy Bill Watts. Let's go to this. Jim Duggan is direct and to the point. He's been beat before, but he's always marked the person who's gotten to him and says, I'll get even. And he wasn't too fancy about the way he did it. Of course, we all remember him with the gorilla incident where he cost Junkyard Dog to have to leave for 90 days, and that's when Stagger Lee came on the scene. And he no sooner had made the threat to Skandar Akbar than he took the first opportunity to start getting even as he tore Skandar Akbar's clothes completely off of him just about. We almost went X-rated at that point, Boyd Pierce. Let's watch that. That happened here last week on Mid-South. Then we go to the clip from last week where Mid-South almost became X-rated and Jim Duggan finally got his hands on Skandar Akbar. Any thoughts about any of this recap stuff, Mike? I thoroughly enjoyed the recap on this one because he's right. Akbar plays that part so well when he's getting stripped and beat down by Duggan last week. You, so you've got that component of it. And then you got the other component, Kendo being stuck in the ropes with his bottom foot, Alfred Neely trying to pry his foot loose as Kendo is stuck just dangling there. That scene right there and the crowd going absolutely nuts with Duggan getting Kendo and, and really Akbar for the most part, stripping him down to his underwear might be, that is a great, I guess, opening scene to the things that are to come as Duggan got back at Akbar right there. It's just the visual was fantastic of Duggan and the fans going nuts was, was, was the added bonus to it all as Duggan laid out a whooping right there to, to Akbar. Coming out of that recap clip, we go back to the desk. A few more words from the Cowboy. Gendar Akbar made a challenge to Hacksaw Jim Duggan. The amazing thing about it was he asked DiBiase to do his dirty work because Kamala, his number one man, was tied up in Dallas, Texas this week. You know, Akbar's like a conglomerate. Maybe he's getting a little too scattered out trying to, to subdue too many areas. And DiBiase quickly said, I'm not afraid of Dugan, but I'm going to let it go. It's between you and him. Akbar said the ninja will do it. He issued a challenge. Let's listen to Akbar's challenge. One interesting thing I think that Bill Watts says there is that Akbar is like a conglomerate. Maybe he's getting too spread out because, of course, he's on world-class TV and he has wrestlers in world-class, and then he's here in Mid-South. That's interesting. I never even put the two and two together, but, you know, that there's something to that. There's realism there because as a business grows, let's just assume Akbar's you know, conglomerate, his stable as a business, the more spread out you can get, uh, the more vulnerable you can get because you're trying to defend too much turf, if that makes sense. So there, there, there's some, there's some, there's some realism there as Watts does say that. So I, I actually like the fact that he that he brought that up. Coming out of this last recap clip, Boyd Pierce wraps everything up. Let's go to Boyd, who finally gets a word in here. Now you heard General Skander Akbar and his challenge, and the opportunist matchmaker Grizzly Smith, not one to pass up a great match, so he signed that match and made it a challenge bout, and we'll be able to see that Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Kendo Nagasaki, the Black Ninja, and it'll be coming up right after this. And that is indeed what we get next. Kendo Nagasaki, the Black Ninja, versus Hacksaw Duggan. 
I guess we can say this is the first official match Hacksaw Duggan has had as a babyface in Mid-South Wrestling. Alfred Neely, the referee, we'll talk about this and give our thoughts on the other side, but there's a lot happening here. And Jim Duggan attacks before the bell. Let's go to the audio of the Cowboy calling this match. New York City, Hacksaw Duggan. Hacksaw Duggan is in the ring. Bill Watts, Nagasaki is there, but Akbar didn't make it. He's not waiting for any bell. He's attacking Kendo Nagasaki. You can hear the crowd holler, Dugan, 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 and Dugan is going after him. He's not going to let the ninja even get out of his gear. He's getting right after him. That's DiBiase. He's loading up that glove. Ted DiBiase. And he really KO'd Hacksaw Dugan. DiBiase with that glove. And he's got Dugan down, and Dugan's lights are out. Ninja, both of them, both of them, and Akbar. Ted DiBiase had said, Ted DiBiase had said he wasn't going to have anything to do, that it was between Akbar and Dugan. But DiBiase came in from behind and double crossed his former Rat Pack partner. Ted DiBiase has torn it now, Boyd Pierce. And Bill, He's while things it. try to slow down here, we'll be back right Look after this Akbar important match. And there it is. It lasted a week where DiBiase and Duggan stayed away from each other. DiBiase gets in there, loads the glove, hits Jim Duggan. What are your thoughts on all this, Mike? I don't want to point it out, but, but I got to. Duggan turned around too early. Did you notice that, Brian? I did. He turned around too early, and I wondered, you know, I was trying to justify it in my own head, which is probably wrong. I was thinking, did Duggan think, like, oh, it's Ted, I have nothing to worry about? Or yeah. did he just turn around too early? <laughs> you know? Yeah, which is probably more likely. So my my thought was, he what we're talking about here. If, you, if you're we're not watching along with it, is Duggan has his back to where the wrestlers come out down the we know now that which is down the steps in the Irish McNeil, and he's got Kendo in that corner where the you know the the left corner of where the bleachers are. So Duggan's got his back turned. And he's he's working over Kendo. He's you know punching him in the gut, just laying it into Kendo, and I guess Duggan thought you know he's listening to the crowd react as DiBiase comes down rolls into the ring and I guess Duggan thought for a second DiBiase was ready Duggan he turns around and looks at DiBiase and then turns his back to him and keeps working over Kendo which gives DiBiase now time to actually load the glove and punch him and my only thought was like normally in a situation like that yeah you listen to the crowd as a wrestler but you also kind of want your opponent, Kendo. He knew the spot was coming. You would hope that Kendo would give Duggan the notice and say, or give him the Iggy and say, hey, he's ready. He's behind you. Or just something, some type of signal, whatever that is. And I was thinking, like, did Kendo, is there a line? I don't know this, Brian. You, I'm going to ask for your expert opinion. Uh, was Kendo not, could he not communicate that to Duggan? And Duggan was just trying to listen to the crowd. I don't know if, if there was a language barrier or whatnot, but I was just thinking there had to be a miscommunication somewhere along the way. Duggan turns around, and it actually made Duggan look a little like, wow, that was kind of dumb. Why'd you do that? Now, in 1983, everything I'm saying right now, to be fair, none of us thought of. None of us even considered what I'm discussing. All I remember and all you remember, all I remember definitely in 83, you a little bit later, all we remember is, holy crap, Hacksaw Jim Duggan is the greatest baby face now in Mid-South. And, and that's even with Dog there. I mean, Duggan popped things for me at this point when he became this baby face. It just was even insane. He probably was 
almost a little like Stone Cold Steve Austin before they were Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, and, and I, I can explain that at a later time. So don't don't put too much into that. But it just was like so we weren't really worried about the fact that Duggan, quote unquote, missed the spot. You know, we weren't psychoanalyzing it like we do now, which is part of our problem. But I did notice it. And I to be fair, we should point it out uh, at the same time when he gets laid out by by DiBiase, when he finally does turn around and they do the spot. You know, that's that's empathy right now. Duggan, Duggan's got that empathy, and, and we're now ready to roll into what the next chapter is. Because remember, like you just said before you threw it to me, their lack of conflict lasted not even a week, if you think about it, because that was towards the end of last week's episode, if my memory's correct. And now, here this is happening at the beginning of this week's episode within the first 10 minutes. So there you go. Uh, we got we got conflict, DiBiase and Duggan, and uh, DiBiase, uh, Duggan's about to be just this fantastic baby face in Mid-South. Well, coming out of that, we're about to go to footage from the Superdome. Chavo Guerrero versus Wild Bill Irwin with Jerry Usher as the referee. We'll give that result right here. It's from April 16th, 1983. Chavo wins with a belly-to-back suplex. Pretty good little match. It's dark, shot from ringside with a handheld, but it's still pretty good. But before we go there, Bill Watts wraps up what we just saw. Let's hear this. Well, Boyd Pierce, while we get everything back to order here, that, that's torn it. DiBiase's torn it. He may as well have been the one out there because he's certainly uh, with Akbar 100% against Hacksaw Jim Dugan, and I guarantee you sparks are going to fly. And as we talked earlier about Chavo Guerrero, we hope that he gets better. He's He really sustained a beating at the hands of DiBiase and Mr. Olympia in Houston, Texas. We hope next week to have that film clip. But first, let's watch Chavo Guerrero on the 16th of April in the Superdome as he showed just what makes him a great superstar, that kind of heart and courage as he wrestled Wild Bill Irwin. Let's watch that bout now. Well, there you hear Watts say it, Mike. He's torn it. He's torn it. What they agreed to, it's gone within a week. And now DiBiase's 100% with Akbar. And the only thing I really can say at this point is just stay tuned because we can't really bring up what's coming later. Or in the coming weeks, but I just want to say stay tuned because now it is on. And that's all we can say at this moment. At this moment. Stay tuned to the rest of this episode, actually. <laughs> right. That's why That's why I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't don't turn off the podcast now is what you're saying. Yeah, it's like, uh, like here's the thing, you know, it, you, you bring up a point. I've said this a bunch of times on this show. It's hard sometimes doing these because, like, you know what's coming, so you don't want to, like, give it all away before you actually get to that point in an episode or in future weeks. And that's the that's the challenge sometimes. It's like, I, I want to say more, but, you know, I kind of want to wait for, for what what's going to happen to happen so that we can really talk about it, if that makes if that makes sense. So that's how, that's my feeling on it. Well, coming out of the Superdome clip of Chavo versus Irwin, we get an interview with King Kong Bundy. We're going to hear that in a second, but Cowboy Bill Watts sends us to that interview, so let's hear him, and then we'll hear from Atlantic City, New Jersey, King Kong Bundy. Background, you hear the crowd hollering, two, 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 as he goes to the ring. But first, let's hear King Kong Bundy's remarks about the living legend, Mr. Wrestling 2, that he made just prior to this taping session, King Kong Bundy. When I came to Mid-South Wrestling, I told these promoters I came here to wrestle top flight competition. Well, finally, 
Finally, I've got what I wanted. Because after last week, when I showed the Atlantic City Avalanche, these promoters know they can no longer deny King Kong Bundy. And now I've got Mr. Wrestling 2, the living legend of professional wrestling. Well, let me tell you something, too. You've never wrestled anything. You've never been in the ring with anything like King Kong Bundy. And as for your big knee... Look at this, too. I've got a 26-inch neck, and that can absorb plenty of shock and take plenty of punishment, and no knee is going to bother me. You're going down, too. You're going down for the five count. The avalanche is going to put you down. I'll put you down for five. I'll put you down for ten. I may put you down long enough for them to plant daisies. King Kong Bundy, the dominant force in professional wrestling. Pretty good interview there. You know, it's weird watching this now, Mike, because when I was a kid and I saw King Kong Bundy, I never thought he looked young. And looking at this now, I'm like, wow, he really was a pretty young guy around this period of time. Yeah, you can see the youthfulness in Bundy right here. Uh, you really can see it a few years earlier when you when you see him in world class. That's actually phenomenal when you see his early stuff in world class. You're like, God, he's you know, like when, I think you know what I'm talking about when you see him with the hair. Uh, if you if you've seen any of that stuff, he he looks totally different, and you can really see the youthfulness of him. But he definitely is young looking. I mean, he's kind of as angry as he looks. Like as you get older, you're like, oh, he's got a little bit of a baby face with the with the face completely shaved and all that and whatnot. I liked him here again. I thought he was good i thought he was impactful he was missing a cigar here i wish he would have had the cigar because i really liked the cigar when he had the cigar the last time we heard an interview yeah. but he he's good here and look he's i mean he's telling two who's an established veteran in this territory and someone that we've we've grown to love and and is a very impactful star here he's telling him i'm gonna put you down for five like that's like that's a bold statement so i wanted to make that point as, as we're talking about him cutting his promo on two right here Coming out of that, we get the match. King Kong Bundy versus Mr. Wrestling 2 with Alfred Neely as the referee. Let's hear some of the opening thoughts in this match from Cowboy Bill Watts. Without a doubt, this is a main event in any arena, and yet Grizzly Smith has it right here. Corey received a letter at out the other day from Kenny DePlissis from Baton Rouge, and he said he watches wrestling from all over the world, including Atlanta, out of Dallas, out of San Antonio. But he said, without a doubt, Mid-South Wrestling is the best because he says they always give the fans great main events on the television. Wrestling 2, the crowd was going 2-2-2. Two, two, two. You know, Mr. Olympia is saying that everybody that hollers for Wrestling 2 is a loser because they don't holler for number one, that Mr. Olympia is number one, and they should holler for him if they want to be a winner. But I think the crowd has voiced unanimously their opinion of that by the way they holler for Mr. Wrestling 2. Bundy powering away. Tremendous individual, big, powerful man, 420 pounds. Look at the width and the mass. So hard to get around or through or anything else. And he's on wrestling too. A man who's a legend, a man who's wrestled the toughest men in wrestling. And he's got to figure the way to finally take the measure of King Kong Monday. And of course, we saw the skullduggery and the duplicity of Ted DiBiase against his former partner, Hacksaw Dugan. Lots of things happening on Mid-South. Wrestling 2 going after Bundy. You know, a big man, a guy Bundy's side, doesn't have to be able to do near the weightlifting, the resistance-type stuff in the gym as a Tony Atlas or a Hacksaw Butch Reed or Junkyard Dog because he's got the strength of his mass, which whenever you want to wrestle him, you have to be able to move it. And look, see, like 2 with a front face lock, and we've seen 2 with that tenacious front face lock against some tremendous individuals, but Bundy backs him into that corner. Just like Mitch Shelton, the big heavyweight from Oklahoma State University. 
When he double overhooks you and locks up and throws, it's almost impossible to stop his mass. And there you see Bundy, just, just like a freight train. He just rammed Wrestling 2 right into those turnbuckles. And Wrestling 2 had to break that hold. And we've seen Wrestling 2 hold that front face lock on some of the toughest men in wrestling. But 2 back to his feet. A man that'll never quit. A man that keeps digging. He knows he's got to stay on his feet. He can't get down on the mat where Bundy can drop that weight on him. Up, up, two's in trouble. And Bundy is really hammering him now. There you hear some commentary from the Cowboy really enforcing the size of King Kong Bundy and how difficult it is to do anything with him because he is so big. And they're really doing a great job in this match of showing that. Mr. Wrestling 2 usually is kicking ass in every match. But he's having a really tough time with King Kong Bundy here, Mike. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Brian. You know, it's so true. You think about the the body guys that you're that Watts is referring to, like a Tony Atlas, you know. And Tony Atlas was, you know, pretty ripped and and he was massive, but in a different way. A guy like Bundy, he's massive, but it's just mass. It's just thick, solid mass. He's not really a sloppy big man. I mean, he's got that old school, like I, uh, you used to call it when 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 what's his name would wear it. Uh, Bob Roop. He's got a the singlet is kind of like Bob Roop's. You know, it's just a deep it's a deep scoop singlet. Except Bob Roop had like a different pattern on it. But he's got that old school singlet, no knee pads or nothing. But Bundy's not sloppy. I mean, he's a big man, but it's not like a ridiculous beer belly. You know, flowing off of him or anything. And it's just a lot of man to have to move around in a ring. And as you watch this match. Two has to deal with that. And at times you really can see it. There's a sequence in there where two is just like laying in the Bundy. He's slugging him with just haymaker punches and he starts hitting him with, with a ton of knee lifts and Bundy's staggering. And it's the visual is tremendous because it takes like, you know, eight, nine, 10 punches. And then finally, like on the third or fourth knee lift, you see Bundy take a bump and it's that buildup of it and having to deal with this big man's mask that the crowd is going nuts over. So, you know, credit Watts right there for explaining why, although Bundy's not cut and ripped to shreds, you know, that mass is still a big deal to have to deal with, especially for a guy like two, who two is not a big man. He's, he's probably your average size man back then. I mean, he's not, not really big at all. Uh, although he's very experienced as a wrestler. So I really like Watts's commentary there explaining why Bundy is so tough to deal with. We know he's big, but it's a different type of big than, than somebody like a Tony Atlas. Well, we're going to hear some of what you just described, the punches from two and the finish of this match where someone's going to run in, but I guess I'm spoiling things like we try not to do here. But let's now go to the audio of the finish of this match. But listen in. Here are the shots that two is delivering, not just the knee, but when he's actually just wailing on Bundy with his hands. Listen to the crowd. Two, 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 two. There's no doubt in anybody's mind as who the... George Blanda, professional wrestling, the crowd favorite. And I'll tell you why, because every time Russell 2 got out there, there's no doubt in his mind, his mind that he hadn't given it his all. Hear those, those, those forearms and that solar plexus there. You can hear those fists popping into that Bundy's meat coming clear over here to the announcer's booth. And Wrestling 2 is really trying to go after him. He's socking him with that forearm upside the head. 2 has a clubbing type effect. It takes its toll on you. All time working to try to be able to get that knee. There he popped that knee. Of course, Bundy says he's got a 26-inch neck. He popped the knee again. He popped that knee again. And he's got King Kong Bundy off of his feet. 
But Bundy got away. Bundy got out of the way. Slipped to Bundy for the splash. But two moves. Two moves. Wrestling two majors. In. Oh, Alfred Neely got crushed. Alfred Neely was crushed. And Wrestling Two's got Bundy going for the turnbuckle. But Bundy with that weight mass reversing. Bundy goes to crush him. But Two manages to get out of the way. Mr. Olympia coming in. What's on his boot? He's got something on that right boot. He drop kicks Wrestling Two. And Wrestling Two is knocked unconscious, it looks like. Mr. Olympia had something on that boot, something black on those red boots. And now King Kong Bundy. Cocksure. That Mr. Russell too, Albert Neely, the referee, coming back in the ring. He's knocked to the floor. Bundy is picking two up. Two is lifeless in his arms. Bundy backing into the corner to go for that avalanche. Oh, Bundy, 420 pounds against a helpless Russell too. King Kong Bundy makes Albert Neely count to five and wrestling two. Gets a five count by King Kong Bundy. I think Wrestling 2 could probably be counted to 10 or 15 right now because we saw Mr. Olympia as Bundy sits out there and takes the credit. Mr. Olympia, the man who's promised to end the career of Wrestling 2, and you see the crowd, yeah. and they're very unhappy. Bill, we'll have more action following this important message from Mid-South Wrestling. Well, there it is. King Kong Bundy wins. They're still calling... I guess kind of, it's not really the Oklahoma Stampede, but it's like a slam where you just, I don't know what you would call it exactly, Mike, you'll probably know because you're a wrestler, where you just drop down onto the guy. They're calling that the avalanche as opposed to the splash in the corner, which we would later know as the avalanche. But Mr. Olympia runs in once again, the mysterious object on his boot. Any thoughts about this match or what we just listened to and witnessed here, Mike? But we talked about I talked about it a second ago with the with the, the knee lifts and the punches. So I actually was was counting them right there. He literally threw 10 punches, many of them haymakers to Bundy. And it's the, the audio doesn't do it as much justice as I thought it would. The crowd is actually on fire. They're standing up clapping as as is two's fighting back and delivers all, all those punches. And they teased it where Bundy staggered for the first two knee lifts and then took the bump on the, on the third one. I thought that was a really, really good thing. The crowd was really into it. And like you said, at the end, you know, Alfred Neely takes another bump as he always does uh, to Olympia comes in nails two with, with the boot to the head with whatever's on his boot and two is out cold. And, then Bundy, you know, gets two and does the, I'll just call it the avalanche. I, I don't know. It basically is kind of a modified Oklahoma stampede, I guess, in a way. But let's just go with it for now since that's what Watts keeps calling it. Um, two definitely lost, but I wouldn't say he was defeated because it really took a massive, you know, interference right there with, with Olympia. Uh, and this is, you know, keep in mind, this is after, this is after two has had to battle this, you know, 400 pound man for 10 minutes now. And then he finally ends up losing and it took Olympia coming in and cheating them to, to do so. So really, really good stuff right there. And um, he got the five count technically, but it was with a lot of help. It was after the loaded boot to the head and the avalanche. Coming out of that match, we get, Ted DiBiase with General Skandar Akbar versus Tim Horner with Rick Ferreira as the referee. A good back-and-forth match. Tim Horner's really good here early in his career. Obviously not on the mic, thankfully. But he's in this match. Really good back-and-forth with Ted DiBiase. 
Let's hear a little bit of the opening minutes. One thing you're going to notice, the fans are into chanting. They really don't like DiBiase. They're chanting Dugan. They're chanting JYD. They really don't like Ted DiBiase. Let's hear the opening minutes of this match. Jim Horner now taking off his maroon jacket against Ted DiBiase. And Bill Watts, if you'll notice, Skandor Akbar is in the ring with Ted. But in there, a match between Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Black Ninja. General Skandor Akbar was at the ring, but he was trailing far behind and did not come into the ring. Yes, he was very apprehensive. Crowd is shouting, Dugan, Dugan, Dugan. DiBiase was smiling. Akbar was smirking as they went in the ring. DiBiase upset about the crowd. DiBiase has proven what a treacherous individual he is. Without a doubt, Junkyard Dog, of course, is long known. What a treacherous person. There's a man. The Junkyard Dog was the best man at Ted's wedding. And Ted turned on him. And now Ted has turned on Hacksaw Dugan after Dugan has sacrificed himself many times to save Ted DiBiase. And then DiBiase said, Dugan, let's just go our own way. And the only way of DiBiase's way is when he jumps you from behind and gets a chance to load that glove. And now Ted DiBiase is after Tim Horner. And, of course, he was really gloating. Wrestling 2 during the commercial break had to be practically carried from the ring. His eyes were glassy. His knees were wobbling. Mr. Olympia, a man who was mentally trying to torture Wrestling 2 for so long. And Wrestling 2 almost upset Mr. Olympia's plan to double-cross Junkyard Dog. The whole crowd is hollering for Dugan, Dugan, Dugan. They are pointing at Akbar and hollering, Dugan, Dugan, Dugan. And DiBiase is upset. Tim Horner, a great young athlete, I'll guarantee you. Tim Horner, he goes right after him. I've really been impressed with his ability, his conditioning, and his heart. You've got a former North American champion there, Ted DiBiase, now one half of the Mid-South Tag Team Championship with Mr. Olympia. So you've got one of the top wrestlers in the nation today. Well, there you hear it, some of the action in the match. Tim Horner really doing a great job here. The fans are super into this, super into yelling at DiBiase and Akbar and chanting Dugan. I did also notice, I've been on Hank Watch. There's a woman sitting dead center in red next to the usual old lady that's there. It's the woman that used to sit next to Hank and talk to him. But she's there, Hank's not there. But I was, uh, did just notice that reviewing this clip. So we still haven't seen Hank. This is the main, is the main point here. We haven't seen Hank for months now, yes. uh, as you say that. Hey, look, I, I got to reiterate what you said. Tim Horner looks really, really good here. He's playing his role about as perfect as you could play it with just being enhancement talent. And he's he's actually getting in some offense on DiBiase. And then credit DiBiase because you hear them fans chanting Dugan. But it's because he's feeding to him, and that's what's getting him worked into it. The beginning of the match, he he hops out the ring and is mad, and he's just staring at him and looking at him. And as he does that, that's egging him on, and they talk, they start the do gun, do gun, do gun chance. Uh, there's a there's a there's a point in there also where kind of Akbar does the same thing as he works his way over to that side of the crowd. And then there's another point in there where DiBiase rolls out of the ring and he's you know in their face again for the fans, and he's staring at them all and. You know, he's not doing anything. It's just the body language. They don't like him, and they start chanting Dugan because he's letting them know that that kind of gets on his nerves. So just credit DiBiase for some just simple stuff here that they used to do in the 80s that would get the crowd into it, and the crowd is enjoying it. Uh, Tim Horner, like we said at the beginning of this, 
he's putting up a heck of a fight. He holds his own against DiBiase. Uh, I think even Watts at one point, you know, kind of kind of mentions it. You know, we heard him. He'd say how he's like, all right, this young Tim Horner, you know, he's he's doing well in here. So really good stuff, just just overall right there from 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 everyone. Tim Horner doing his job, DiBiase doing his job, Akbar doing his job, and for for that matter, the fans getting really into it because of that. Let's go to the finish of this match. A really good match, DiBiase versus Horner. Now let's hear what happens at the end. Crowd just wants somebody to measure DiBiase. Power slam. DiBiase's caught him with a power slam. That's it. No, DiBiase pulled him up. DiBiase wants to punish him. DiBiase's so cocky. He's wanting to punish him. DiBiase wanting Horner to pay. He had him beat. He had him beat on that power slam, and he knew it. But he picked him up. He's wanting to punish him some more. He's really cocky. DiBiase, cocky and mean and ornery. And there he's on top of Tim Horner. He's on top, and he's really taking it to Tim Horner. Tim Horner was beat from that power slam. Tim, a gallant, young, gallant, young battler out there, just outgunned a little bit. And DiBiase really taking advantage of it. Crowd cheering. Hacksaw Dugan. Hacksaw Dugan coming behind on DiBiase. Oh, he hit him right in the gut with a two-by-four. He broke that two-by-four. He broke a two-by-four over DiBiase. Hacksaw Dugan walking tall. He's walking tall. And Akbar's running out of there. Akbar's running out of there. Listen to this crowd, Boyd. I don't blame him a bit for running, Bill. Unloading it all. You've knocked DiBiase's lights out. He's out. You better believe he's out. You better believe he's out. And you of anybody, Bill Watts, should understand, should understand sometimes a man needs to walk tall. A man needs to walk tall. And heck, saw Doug is that man. DiBiase, part of Akbar, he lied to me. Man to man, a friend. Akbar, I'm a proud American, Bill Watts. I'm a proud man of a proud family. A lot of people may not agree with the way I live or my lifestyle, but I can do it in America, and God bless America, and I'll fight for what's right. And what's right is the way I live and the way I want to live. Not DiBiase, not that backstabbing Akbar. He just said it, Boyd Pierce. Hacksaw Dugan said he was going to walk tall and listen to the crowd. They love it, and Akbar's backing off. He rolled it all into one, Bill, and said it very nicely, and we'll be back with tag team action after this word from Mid-South. Well, there it is. Hacksaw Duggan runs in with a two-by-four and breaks it over the back of Ted DiBiase. The place goes nuts. I could be wrong, but I believe this is the very first instance of Hacksaw Duggan utilizing a two-by-four in professional wrestling, Mike. I think you're right, and if we're wrong, uh, we're just uh, this, <laughs> then we apologize. But this is a great moment. This is what we were talking about earlier where we didn't want to kind of get into it and we didn't want to you know, put the cart before the horse. We wanted to see it first and then talk about it. You know, DiBiase here can kind of blame himself in a way, and, and I'll, let me explain. He had Horner beat. You even heard Bill Watts say it a few times. You know, he'd power slam him, and then he would pick him up. And it's like, you know, he just – because kind of being cocky it's like look just pin the man get out of the ring and you know do your job you won ain't no need for all this and well guess what because you were still in the ring farting around with tim horner right here 
Jim Duggan decides to come in and and he delivers that two by four and then he's swinging it above his head. And the whole time I'm thinking, oh, my God, that thing is going to fly out of his hand into the crowd or at someone. You know, we see the referee Ricky Ferrara as Duggan swinging that thing around. Ricky Ferrara's like, holy crap, let me move, man. I don't want to get hit by this thing. An incredible moment. The fans are so into this thing. The interview. It it speaks for itself. I don't know how I could say anything more to put Duggan over than what he's already saying to Bill Watsrack there about, you know, how he's a proud American and and he's here to walk tall and, you know, carry that big stick. And I just thought this was great. DiBiase is laid out. What you don't hear is towards the end of the promo when Duggan is with Watts at the announcer desk, you see DiBiase being, I don't want to say carried off, but walking back. Uh, to the to the to I guess back and he's got his his hand over his head and his back and he's in pain and you know the wheels are in motion here we've got this Doug and DiBiase thing going and boy oh boy I know JYD is the top you know baby face in mid south but I know for some people at this moment all of a sudden Hacksaw Jim Duggan may be that person and I, I guess that's all I want to say you know that's up for debate depending on how you feel about it but man Duggan is just so over right here man these fans are going nuts when he comes in here and cracks DiBiase. What this board? It's it's tremendous stuff, Brian. What what did you think? I agree with you, and it was probably a good move to keep JYD off of this episode, so that the focus could really be on the Jim Duggan babyface turn, the official turn, and him running in. The fans, I mean, what else could you ask for? They were chanting for him the whole match, and then he finally runs in with a board. And by the way, the the size of the two by four definitely changed throughout the years with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> there were times it was clearly much bigger than a two by four. It was a great segment here and a great fired up interview afterwards. Going to the desk, Bill Watts standing there, and Duggan again. You may not agree with my lifestyle. I don't know what his lifestyle was exactly, but I'm an American, and I'm going to fight for what I am allowed to do as an American. So the beginning of the two by four as well as the beginning of the patriotism from Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, yeah. It's just tremendous stuff. You know, it's funny. uh, uh, My buddy Clifton Harris, who listens to this show, he's from New Orleans, and he's a big Mid-South fan. Uh, He was talking about this in in the Facebook group the other day, uh, and he had mentioned how uh, he – this is a few weeks ago from this area, but he had mentioned how there was a moment coming that really – Really, really, really locked him into Mid-South and made him a, a big fan. So, Clifton, if I'm not getting this this story completely correct, I apologize. But this is this is what he was talking about, how, you know, this moment, it's like, wow, you know, Duggan and everything that happened. So, I know, you know, it's not just him. It's more people out there who watch this moment. And that's what... They were like all of a sudden really, really into it even more. I mean, you got to remember there's there's so many years Mid-South had great years. I mean, I thought the end of 82 with the whole Stagger Lee thing was great. And then you got this this moment here with Jim Duggan. We've seen it now. I mean, we're in the May now, so we're almost halfway into the year at this point. And we've seen this what's happened with Duggan and the Rat Pack. And we've watched this develop over weeks and months. So but like Clifton explained uh, in, in the Facebook group, he's right. It's like this happened. And. Man, it's like our eyes were opened and it was like a great moment. I didn't even think about what you said, though, till a second ago when you were talking about dog. You are absolutely right. I don't know if it was intentional or not. I'm assuming it was, but it probably was a great idea to keep dog off this episode and let Duggan have this great baby face moment. Coming out of that great baby face moment, we get a tag team match. Hacksaw Butch Reed and Tiger Conway Jr. versus Ron Cheatham and Don Clark with Alfred Neely as a referee. During that promo that Jim Duggan just did, 
He said to Bill Watts, you should know as well as anyone, there are times you have to do something like this. And Bill Watts gave a little approving nod. He's going to talk a little bit about that right here in this match. Let's hear this audio. Never got that crowd settled down with the way they were taken to the action by Hacksaw Duke. And I, I know when I was talking to him there or listening to him, chill bumps broke out on me when he talked about walking tall. And he's right, I do understand it. Some years ago when I was still active in Atlanta, Georgia, one Abdullah the Butcher and Ole Anderson and them, they just kind of overloaded everybody there. And I, I recall that I had to walk tall and I got all their attention. I did some serious whipping of some people right on the cables on, on national TV, right off the satellite, and I guess that Hacksaw Dugan must have viewed it and remembered it. And it certainly seemed that I'll admit that sometimes you just get so full of it that there's only one way to do it, and that's to handle it any way you can. When you're outnumbered, you know, Dugan's kind of all by himself right now against the most formidable crew ever with Akbar, Olympia, Kamala, and the Black Ninja. And Dugan just said, hey, you know, I got to go do any way I can. You're seeing two fine athletes out there right now, Tiger Conway Jr. and Hacksaw Butch Reed. And did you see the moves Butch Reed just made prior to Tiger coming in where he was around that ring like a lightweight just with all his size and power? And Conway, great athletes, both of these men. I, I don't know. These things are so happening. This is such action-packed action every week here on Mid-South. I enjoy so much getting to be the commentator. It's just like getting to live vicariously and enjoying these great athletes, and it's been a real pleasure. And I, I just don't know what to say or what to do. I don't know how matchmaker Grizzly Smith is going to make the matches because there's so many things happening. It's, it's just an ongoing thing, and uh, I could I could just see Dugan, and I, you know he's going to go after DiBiase. It's not over, and you know Akbar is going to go after Dugan, and Jerry Usher almost got run over. Get out of the way, now excuse me, not Jerry Usher, Albert Neely. Action gets so fast in these tag matches. These guys are so big, quick, and powerful. Well, there we hear it, the Cowboy remembering years ago in Atlanta, him having to get involved with a big stick with Ole Anderson and Abdullah the Butcher, as well as talking about how this isn't over. It's going to be DiBiase needing to go after Duggan, Duggan needing to go after DiBiase, Akbar needing to go after Duggan. Lots of things happening here, Mike. I like that Watts brought back brought us back to that moment like because uh, you know he mentions it like when Duggan is cutting his promo a little while ago and he calls back to it and he's like look I know exactly what, what you're dealing with when I had to deal with something similarly in Atlanta with Ole and Abdullah so I thought that was I thought that was a good callback I look, this is just the start of things that are in motion and so we don't spoil things. We'll kind of just leave it at that. But this is this is really good stuff. You know, Duggan's now a baby face. Watts can relate to him. Um, this just good stuff overall. Related to this match that we were watching as he's talking about it, Don Clark does not know what he's doing in that ring. Ron Cheatham does. <laughs> and that's all I wanted to say as Hacksaw Butch Reed uh, eventually hits Don Clark with the flying shoulder tackle, which I still love that as a finisher. But Clark is lost. Well, from the... <laughs> Clark loses, and he is lost. And from there, we get our final match on this week's show. Tony Zane versus Ken Woodby with Rick Ferreira as the referee. Watts mentions during this match that Mid-South did a 48 share in Shreveport, Louisiana. And because of that, the show has been renewed for two more years. And during all this, Boyd Pierce has something to say about coward fans who throw things. Let's hear this. 
What an exciting time, boy. I... And Phil, as I was looking back in that other match, the great fans they can, at the arenas can learn from these fans here on Mid-South on our television tapings during the Ted DiBiase match. They vented their wrath against DiBiase as they went from one to the other, hollering, Dugan, Dugan, and then two, 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 and JYD. That clap holler all you want to, but making the big extravaganzas this spring, we have two or three cowards in any of these big places and these big crowds, and they always have to throw something, and that's really hiding behind a big crowd. So they need to do like these fans, vent their wrath by putting their hands together, clapping, hollering, whatever they want to do, but not throw anything because that is very cowardice. Well, boy, I really appreciate your comments. You know, I think you're right and you're brave to say it. Uh, a lot of people don't want to go against public opinion, but you're certainly right because generally so many times it misses the individual it's thrown at and hits some innocent bystander. And I think, too, that if, if, I, was, if I was wrestling somebody out there, I want to be able to beat him on my own. I don't want somebody from the crowd to help me. If the crowd has to help me, I want to go sit in the crowd and buy a ticket to see that guy up there wrestling because I signed the match and I got in there of my own free will, and I, I want the victory to the win or lose it by myself. And I think that's the way most of these athletes feel. If they can be outsmarted or outfigured, one, two, three, and we have one here. We have one here. Tony Zane wins the match. His first on Mid-South. And again... Again, in this final 30 seconds, Boyd, I think what we'll say is that if I can be outsmarted or outwitted or outnumbered or outthought out there by an opponent, that's his right as an American because I signed that contract getting in. I'll guarantee you, besides getting mad, I'm going to get even. And I think Hacksaw Dugan showed that there's always a way to balance it out, but it should be left among the contestants. And the best way is the American way. Thank you so much for tuning in. Till next week for Cowboy Bill Watts. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, saying goodbye, everybody, from Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. And the best way is the American way. I don't know why he needed to throw that in at the end there, but another episode of Mid-South Wrestling wrapped up. Tony Zane wins with an elbow drop on Ken Woodby, a battle of the underdogs here at the end of Mid-South Wrestling. Any closing thoughts about that match or this entire episode, Mike? Well, we got Boyd Pierce here who's given a PSA on how to how to deal with heels and as fans. And, <laughs> and you know, he mentioned stop throwing stuff, which which called me back to something uh, my buddy at Sparks Third Coast on Twitter tweeted out a few years ago, uh, actually about two years ago now. And there were actually uh, directives in the Mid-South Wrestling Program. He's got one from 1979 that spoke towards this. And, and Brian, if you don't mind, I, I'm actually going to read them real quick to our listeners. There's two different ones, if you don't mind, uh, here. So um it says in one of them the first one says your attention please throwing objects at a sporting event is a cowardly act and anyone caught will be arrested and prosecuted by the wrestling club the throwing of anything regardless of how small can injure someone fans are urged to clap hands to holler to cheer to even boo but do not throw anything please remember this fans and refrain yourself in the future for your own safety and protection, please avoid physical contact with the wrestlers. Re please remain in your seats and keep the aisles clear when the wrestlers are walking to and from the ring. The police officers in attendance will strictly enforce this rule and violators will be prosecuted. There was one other one. Uh, this one is directly titled, Do Not Throw Anything During Wrestling, with an exclamation point at the end. It says... Good fans never throw anything in an athletic event. Throwing things in a very idiotic action that might cause serious injury to some innocent person. Fans and officials have been ba have banned together to put an end to people who insist on throwing things. If you see someone throwing things at the ring, please report it immediately to the nearest police officer or arena usher. 
your promoters have promised to pay $100 to anyone who reports one of these cowardly throwers that is arrested and convicted. No one wants the scorn of the law and public opinion, so be smart and don't throw. So those are actually in Mid-South Wrestling programs in 1979. I found that very interesting as Boyd now in 1983 is handing out another PSA regarding throwing things at Mid-South Wrestling events. I have old programs from various territories where they offer rewards for people. If you know who was throwing things, get in touch with us. $50 reward. Well, that's what, the, that's what the second one says. It says, your promoters have promised to pay 100 to anyone who reports <laughs> one of these cowardly throwers that is arrested and convicted. So that was, I guess, they're out. They had to be arrested and convicted for the promoter to eventually pay the $100. But, yes, we have awards being uh, handed out here if you, if you report that. So really good stuff there. I, I found this uh, very interesting. So there you go. Well, another fantastic episode of Mid-South Wrestling here. A big episode with the big Jim Duggan babyface turn official now. But as we wrap things up, I want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts. Also on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Give me a follow at Mike504Saints on Twitter. I try to post clips of the show sometimes and the things that Brian and I discuss. And then come listen to Booking the Territory twice per week at tinyurl.com slash bttpod. Right now, as of us recording this, uh, we are on Thursdays, our Saturday night episodes from, uh, from on TBS drop on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Central Time. And on Sunday nights, uh, we're getting to the end of our Smoky Mountain Wrestling recaps. We are into, uh, I think, episode 183 or 4 at this point. So we've only got about 15 more episodes to go there. But the archives are loaded from episode one of Smoky Mountain up until now. It's a great time. Uh, it's a week-by-week venture, and we travel through time like we're doing right now with the Mid-South Show. We take it week-by-week and review and discuss all the great matches, angles, promos, and good stuff that happens in Smoky Mountain. Same with our uh, NWA show, uh, WCW, WCW show that's on debuts on Thursday nights. And that's all I got, Brian. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash bttpod, or just search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. We are the unprofessional wrestling podcast. If you are easily offended, uh, I will say you might want to stay away. But if you want to have fun and listen to uh, not politically correct jokes and other craziness as we take our you know, journey through classic wrestling, then please come give us a listen. Go grab a glass of coffee and listen to Booking the Territory wherever you find your favorite podcast. But until next time, the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jace Nakarado. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho! Tally-ho!